Happy Monday. It's a beautiful Monday. It's not 100 degrees. This is a nice day in Portland. Remember, there's all kinds of crap going on. It's all kinds of crap. Your out-of-town conservative relatives keep checking in with you to make sure you're okay and that you haven't somehow been caught up in some horrible, I don't know, protest that's, what, about a five-block radius? Yeah, I think you're going to be all right. You're probably going to be all right. Most people I know, they're doing all right. But not everybody's doing all right. Because now we're, what, approaching like 160,000 people dead? Holy mackerel. But it's a beautiful day. It is an absolutely beautiful day. Let us count the things that we can be grateful for. And one of those things is there ain't nothing like the Pacific Northwest in the summer. As always, you can find X-Ray News My Dead episodes on your favorite podcast app, iTunes, SoundCloud, xray.fm. All you have to do is search for X-Ray in the morning. You can also tweet us at xrayfm. You can use the hashtag News with My Dad if you want to, I don't know, start a conversation. And now it's time for News with My Dad, a show where we talk about the news with my dad. And on the telephone playing the role of my dad is, in fact, my dad. Star of our show, Joe Smith. Pop, how you doing? Rabbit, rabbit. Say again? Rabbit, rabbit. You mean like three days ago? <laughs> this is the first chance I've had. <laughs> I did. I actually did Rabbit, Rabbit, Rabbit this month. For for those who don't know, and I don't know the origin of this, although I do believe I've Googled it. I learned it in second grade, that if the very first thing you say in a month, in a given month, you know, it's like August 1st. It's not August 1st today, to be clear. It's August 3rd. But if the very first thing you say is rabbit, 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 you are destined to have good luck for the month. I did say rabbit, rabbit, rabbit at the beginning of this month, and boy, howdy, could I use it. This is a show we talk about the news. We try to talk about the important stuff. Sometimes we talk about the unimportant stuff. When it's unimportant, we try to say so. We take turns. Dad typically takes the first turn, Pop. Do you have a shout-out? I have three shout-outs. Holy mackerel. What a new segment. Three shout-outs. First, I want a shout-out for Sully Sullenberg, the hero of the airplane that landed safely on the Hudson River, who published a statement praising the rise of women and, and women's equality and citing as an example, a good example of that, AOC, which in the pilot community, which tends, I think it's fair to say, to lean to the conservative side, raise all kinds of hackles, but I just compliment, Sully Sullenberg is something else. I want to shout out for the Timbers, the Portland Timbers, who have made the semis against coming against Philadelphia this week. And last, really shout out for Alexander Vindman, who, as of Saturday, ceased to be a colonel in the United States Army, became a private citizen, and published a strong op-ed in the Washington Post, which I just read one, one paragraph. At no point in my career or life have I felt our nation's values under greater threat and in more peril than at this moment. Our national government during the past few years has been more reminiscent of the authoritarian regime my family fled more than 40 years ago than the country I have devoted my life to serving. My compliments to former Colonel Alexander Vindman. Yeah, what's he doing with himself, Dad? Is, is it said in the news? Is he, just on, is he just kind of resting a little bit? Has he picked up a gig? 
well, his his, his pay, I, uh, unless he had some accumulated vacation pay, I assume that his pay ended Saturday. So I assume now he's looking for a job. Well, Dad, for the first time ever, federal aid, the government's aid to the United States in the last quarter was higher than the quarter's, was bigger than the quarter's gross domestic product. For the first time ever. Five trillion. I gotta. I gotta make sure I've got my. Uh, I've gotta make sure I've got my data here. Uh, I think we we're at what five trillion dollars in aid, and I think four point seven trillion dollars in GDP. I don't know if I have that exactly. Uh, I don't know if I was that, that exactly right, but I. Uh, I think that's about right. But anyway, but the headline I'm. I'm confident in. Uh, what do you got? Where do you want to start? Well, before we dive into just the news, I want to once again warn people about seeds because seeds have started arriving in Oregon by the, by the hundreds of recipients. If you receive uh, some seeds in the mail, do not open the package. Please send it. Grab your pen or your pencil. I'm about to give you the address as to what you should do with those seeds. And if they you if they're going to grab a pen and pencil, they would also need paper. I think it's paper, more paper likely. Would, paper would be good, but you can write it in your hand. I think it's more likely. I mean, you think you might have a phone. They could type it in there. But anyway, go ahead, Pop. Mail to Plant Protection and Conservation. Just PP and C will do. 635 Capitol Street. Capitol Street Northeast. Suite 100, Salem, Oregon, 97301. Yeah, or you can Google where to send your seeds. That's the other thing you could do. You say, I got some seeds. Then Google, where should I send my seeds? Then that'll probably come up. Dad, do you have your favorite conspiracy theory of the origin and purpose of the seeds? I, I got a good one. I mean, I don't think I'm right, but I, nor would I say this in polite company. I, but I here I will theory say because the, the theory is put forward that this is this is a brush campaign as a campaign to make people then enable you to say how great these seeds are even though the people aren't saying that but but I don't see how that works so I would be really interested to hear what your theory is you shouldn't be interested it's a really bad hypothesis it's just it's it's I have to characterize it as a conspiracy hypothesis not it's not even doesn't even I can't even chalk it up a conspiracy theory doesn't even earn that moniker. It's only a conspiracy hypothesis. It has not been borne out. It has not been demonstrated by. It has not been bolstered through facts. Okay. Merely conspiratorial conjecture. But I think it's like the murder... No, no, I'm not going to say I think it's like... According to this theory, according to this hypothesis, it's like murder hornets. It is being sent by... Okay, <laughs> I can't even do it with a straight face. I can't even do it with a straight face because I'm not... I, I now have to have a degree of respect for Alex Jones, okay? Because Alex Jones can have the, the most false theory and say it with terrific conviction. And that's mostly something that should not be praised but be uh, criticized. But I have to say, it still takes something. And apparently it takes something I don't got because I couldn't take, I could not give a straight face even to say, even to say this. Oh, but I'll say it anyway. Okay. All right, here it goes. Because, and maybe it's right, to be clear. It might be right. I got to try to channel my inner Alex Jones. So they're being sent by way of China due to actually by Russian operatives in order to further drive a wedge between the United States and China. 
in order to further weaken and isolate the United States to make U.S. and China stronger enemies rather than frenemies so that Russia's relative position in the world grows. So it's just one way, just one little way of psychological warfare to make it more likely to say, oh, darn it, those Chinese people, they keep on sending us murder hornets and crazy seeds. And so that's the, there you go. That's the, uh, there's the, there's the uh, conspiracy hypothesis. Well, that's something to watch. Well, you wanted mm-hmm. to ask Western. I, th- I think we should what? start with, there's a lot of news related to the protests. Uh, I think that might be a good place to start, particularly to say that I am so encouraged, so encouraged what Major League Sports participants are doing. Major League Baseball, National Basketball Association, taking knees, wearing uniforms with slogans on them. The first National Hockey League participant actually took a knee. Really, really, really encouraging. Jonathan Isaac didn't take a knee. He was like one NBA player on his team, plays for the Magic, played for the Magic, will hopefully play again, didn't take a knee and didn't wear one of the Black Lives Matter shirts. In the next game, he tore his ACL. He's probably out, he's out for this remainder of this season, won't participate in the playoffs, and might be all out all next season too. There were many, there were many karma tweets, let me say that. I'm not saying that. I'm talking about Russian conspiracy hypotheses, but there were karma tweets. The uh, what other protests? The feds have have apparently actually pulled out, or at least are no longer being deployed outside of the Portland courthouse. And as a result of that, I don't know if it's a result or just coincidental. The uh, the violence the the violent few, violent few of the protesters seem to have lost some of their motivation or their moment at least their momentum the uh, tear gas tear gas according to reports unprecedented use in portland has caused the deq to launch an investigation to see what it's doing to the water to the sewer system with the heavy metals that are in tear gas Judge Simons has told the feds that they should, if they're going to continue to deploy, they should get shirts with big numbers on them, like sports numbers, so it's easy to identify any bad actors. And he has told the ACLU and the folks who are suing the feds that they should buy some vests, which make it very, very clear when somebody is a member of the press so that uh, they don't the members of the press don't get shot with quote unlethal closed quote munitions although i'm not sure that will work because apparently at least some press people have been shot with those munitions when it was pretty clear because of what they were wearing that they were press people the pac 12 called Football Unity, a whole bunch of Pac-12 football players at at schools throughout Pac-12 are threatening to boycott because of COVID safety, 
and racial justice and the lack of compensation. That will be something to keep an eye on. And the DHS, Department of Homeland Security, has moved Brian Murphy from his job as the acting undersecretary for intelligence because he was collecting dossiers on journalists. Wow. And then last, which is kind of related to protests, did you catch the news about the Alabama legislator and pastor Will Desmuker, I think is pronounced, Mm-mm. who gave a prayer at a birthday for Nathan Bedford Forrest. Did you catch that piece? I did not. Well, that's what happened. And the news, the, the way the news was treated was that this politician and pastor had given a prayer. And by the way, he's a former Grand Wizard of the Ku Klux Klan, yes, Nathan Bedford and, Forrest. And a, a slaughterer, slaughterer of black men, women, and children. And just a really bad guy that... And so the news treated this guy, gave a prayer there, and as a result of that was asked by the Southern Baptist Convention to step down as a pastor. (laughs) The real news of that story... It's okay. To, if you ever need a glass of water, you need a break. You can just take a quick break. We can go, to, you know, play no, a song, no, and you, you, we can just get you I a glass you of water. Keep, I know you keep saying that. You just need to understand. I'm an old man, <laughs> and phlegm sometimes builds up, and water some water generally makes it worse. So you just need to get off my back. I'm sorry. We can take breaks. To it, we can take just breaks. Let it go. Now let me finish what I was saying. The real news of that story is that in the year 2020. 155 years after the end of the Civil War, there are still people who are having birthday presents to honor Nathan Bedford Forrest. Having birthday presents? What do you mean? Birthday parties. Birthday parties. Got it. Birthday celebrations of Nathan Bedford Forrest. Got it. It's just awful. Yeah, his bust still hangs out in the uh, in the Tennessee Capitol, uh, and one of the one of the monuments they're trying to make make moves to get rid of. Dad, back to protests. You uh, you started moving beyond protests, but I want to say something locally about the protests. Did you catch this one that staff of the Multnomah County? If you said it in your laundry list, I missed it. Staff of the Multnomah County Detention Center ignoring orders to wear masks. Oh yeah, I saw that. No, I didn't mention it, but yes. They're, they're violating the governor's rule. And six weeks ago, Multnomah County made mask wearing mandatory for everybody working in the jail, also made social distancing mandatory. But according to now medical staff, public defenders, and some people in custody, corrections officers are neither wearing masks, multiple of them, not wearing masks, nor practicing social distancing. Uh, the ventilation system in the building also apparently allows tear gas thrown by officers at protests outside to enter the jail. And deputies reportedly turned off the call button, the emergency call button, turned it off during the gassings so that the incarcerated people could not call for help. Uh, the quote was by Chris Lytle, the spokesperson for the Department of Corrections, said that for officers in the jail, quote, much like the public, we educate and encourage compliance, end quote. Here's the difference. So when, like, Kate Brown is like, 
between that and require. Yeah. Like, you know, Kate Brown is like educating, encouraging. It's because not everybody in the state is a, works for the governor of the state. But everybody, the difference is here is that everybody in the Department of Corrections who's working for the Department of Corrections, in fact, is working for the Department of Corrections. Anyway, there have been three complaints. Uh, one employee believes there are many more cases that go unreported to a fear of retaliation. Uh, so, Pop, does this portend an increase in cases inside the Justice Center, or is it going to be hard to track? The, I mean, I guess we're getting, we know what's happening inside the prison system. They're letting us know that. Uh, but do you see an increase in cases inside the Justice Center? Boy, it's just something for us to watch. We got 285 new cases yesterday. We're now at 326 deaths. We're going to be we're going to hit 20,000 cases this week probably, almost certainly. We're at 19,097 as of yesterday. Uh, that rural Republicans are pushing back. Do you want to talk COVID stuff or do you still want to talk protest stuff? Well, I'm ready to talk COVID stuff, but if you've got more protest stuff, go ahead. Well, I guess just this. The story in the Washington Post, I think that uh, that we have uh, had peaceful protests that the state police the clashes with state police aren't anything like the clashes with the federal officers i am uh i'm interested to see what happens as we start approaching the end of august and going into the fall but i guess i'll segue to this rather than to covid i will i'll segue to this that a week from today the legislature is going into special session and anybody who's listening can engage in that process it is your government it is your legislature they're going to be dealing with the budget shortfall that's happening for lots of reasons, including all, any lodging tax that goes to the to fund services or goes to fund state parks, etc., is way down because there aren't a lot of people going and spending money on lodgings. But another thing, so they'll be dealing with the that budget shortfall. Another thing that they're going to be dealing with, it looks like, hopefully I'm willing, willing to say, is another round of police accountability and transparency reforms. Right. And the, the, the momentum may be building, and the Republicans are much opposed to that, but <laughs> but I think there might be enough momentum to, to make it happen this time. The Republicans are trying. You know, they passed, I think it was they passed five bills last time, and uh, once they got into the session, there was a slate of six bills. Once they got into the session, all of the major amendments weaken slash soften the bills unless you're you know everything was watered down but they're going to try to take another run at some of this and the one i am watching dad to me the benchmark the milestone the uh i'm thinking i'm trying to think of the proper word anyway the the thing i'm watching for in particular is going to be if there is proposed and if the state legislature is able to pass a bill on qualified immunity they did it in Colorado. They passed a sweeping bill, or at least a significant reform bill, on qualified immunity to have there be direct accountability for police officers who uh, who uh, commit gross misconduct. And that is something that is so badly needed because because right now a police person can do something bad knowing that he or she will be defended with taxpayer money and indemnified if there is a judgment so but knowing knowing that they might have to hire their own lawyer or even if they didn't have to hire their own lawyer if they lost they'd have to pony up some bucks 
could have a very significant deterrent effect on bad conduct. And this is the one, Representative Marty Will, the out of Eugene Bush, this is the one that didn't end up on, on Representative Janelle, Janelle Bynum's list. And I, I, it seems pretty clear to me the dynamic that you have uh, much greater resistance to this on the part of organized labor, particularly the police unions. This is, this is their Waterloo. This is their big fight they don't want to lose. And a piece of the dynamic to be aware of is that one of the most important parts of a big D Democratic coalition is, of course, the, it, its biggest, its plurality of large money comes from, come in, in this state, comes from public labor, right? SEIU, OEA, and, and AFSME, and then AFT. So SEIU is like public workers, OEA, and, and home care workers. Uh, OEA is teachers. Uh, AFSME is another sector of public workers. Uh, and then AFT, which is classified employees, usually it's American Federation of Teachers, but in our state, that's it, it's some teachers, but it's a lot of non-teaching personnel in schools. Uh, and those are the big; those that's like a big piece of power in the Democratic Party in the state. And in uh, but one thing to be aware of is AFSME and Joe Basler, who's the political director of AFSME, dear friend. Uh, and uh, that one thing to be aware of is that AFSME represents corrections workers. And a lot of the qualified immunity language and a lot of the potential arguments that might be addressing police also could address correction workers. And so I think that's one of the sort of challenging pieces. There's a lot of complex dynamics going on here, but that's one of the that's one of the interesting dynamics. We we'll probably have Joe on and ask him about him how he's how he's thinking through. You know, at what place should correction workers be held accountable, and where should they be cordoned off from any rules that that relate to police officers. But now that is the one I am watching. Manage not to make Janelle Bynum's list. Janelle Bynum is the, or James Manning's list. He's the Senate co-chair. She is the House co-chair of the, that new special committee on police accountability and transparency. Uh, and they don't have, and, and when I was talking to Representative Bynum, uh, that hadn't made uh, qualified immunity reform hadn't made the list. I talked to I talked to Marty Wilde uh, late last week, and Representative Wilde out of Eugene, and he uh, and he said, "Well, there's it's a drafting. Uh, he's not sure it's going to be able to get drafted. He's not sure it's going to be his bill is going to get drafted in time of the session." And they said, "Well, I would encourage you know if you want you might want to push to get it drafted." But he 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 assured me there wasn't any there wasn't any slow walking. There wasn't any power that was trying to keep it from getting drafted quickly. It was just had a lot to get done. Maybe they weren't going to be able to get it done by the special session. Have to be wait for the full session. Uh, I am I am maybe more murder hornet conspiratorial than he. Uh, but that's my update on uh, on qualified immunity. So uh, and generally, so that big session coming up. And Dad, you pointed out the other dynamic, and maybe that'll be something that I don't touch the filibuster on, but that we can talk back and forth on. You mentioned the Republicans are trying to limit the ambit of that special session just to the budget. They don't want to talk about COVID nineteen. They don't want to talk about uh, and and they don't want to talk about uh, police reform. Your thoughts? Yeah, and I'm curious. I'm curious. About, about both of those, I think it may just be the the knee-jerk reaction in today's Republican Party uh, against progressive reform of any kind. 
what what would be what will be really interesting to see is whether or not they might do something like walking out. And I I have mixed emotions as a, as a an admitted an admitted dedicated Democrat. I have mixed emotions about that because if they did walk out, I think it might I think it might cause the demise of the political demise of one or two Republican legislators as close to an election. And if they walked out over police reform, or how would you if you were running? Yeah, if they walk if they walked out over police reform, because in the past everybody's been afraid of the, the, the police union all over the country. Politicians are all afraid of the police union unions. But I don't think I don't think that support of the police unions right now is something that somebody should covet. Something else is interesting. We just passed. Well, let me let me start with this, Dad, and then we got to take a break, probably. But uh, what would you do if you were the head of the Republican caucus? How would you navigate this? Would would you walk out to try to say no, no? There's an important budget problem. We can't have special sessions with big policy making. We're running to Idaho again. How would you engage at this moment? I I have such difficulty. You can't put yourself in their shoes. Putting myself in All right. their shoes because because it just seems so irresponsible. Here's one move, and I'm a little surprised we haven't seen more of it. Is it, I'm a little surprised, and it actually touches on the topic that I was just talking about. That one move for them would be to uh, go further than Democrats might be willing to go in certain ways. For instance, they could go. It could be Republicans who pushed quality qualified immunity reform and tried to do it more sweepingly on public labor. Now that would get quashed relatively quickly. But they could then make their they could make the argument they like to make, which is that, oh, look, this is all mobbed up. It's all waste, fraud and abuse of government. Government's protecting their own. And the reason that black lives are at risk is not because merely of racism. It's because of government. And they could make their anti-government argument. I'm a little surprised. And who knows? I'm not in those meetings and I'm not paying attention to all of their media. So maybe there are folks that are making that argument. Uh, more than I am aware. But I'm a little surprised it hasn't leaked to me because I pay attention more than a little bit. Uh, Dad, U.S. Border Patrol is raiding humanitarian aid camps in Arizona. No more deaths is working to promote immigration reform and stop the deaths of migrants along the U.S.-Mexico border. It's sunsetly arresting people and brutalizing people for exercising Christian charity. They're... They deliver water or they put water out. They arrested 30 people who were receiving shelter, food, and water in the 100-degree heat. Border Patrol stormed one of those camps with armored vehicles, helicopters, marked and unmarked cars. Uh, part of the raid was Bortec. I didn't have heard of Bortec before. It was the same commando-style unit that detained Portland protesters in unmarked cars a few weeks ago. The raid is part of a pattern of escalating action against no more deaths. The raid came hours after no more deaths had released documents showing how Border Patrol was pushing for more intervention against the humanitarian group. Uh, Dad, have people forgotten, have too many people forgotten about what's been happening at the border? I think so. And is this designed then so that more people remember what's happening to the border? Donald Trump, I think, would rather have, I think I figured out that Donald Trump would rather have an argument about 
immigrants from Mexico and South than he would about black people in this country. I think that I think that Donald Trump would rather change the subject. I'm sure he would. I'm sure he would. Let's face it, the thing that energized his base from the beginning was his attack on Mexicans. Build the wall, the chant, build the wall and lock her up seems so very 2016. And you know, I, I am so disappointed that not a single member of Congress called a press conference to say, although I am not in favor of building a wall, because the American people elected a president whose principal campaign slogan, principal campaign issue, was building a wall. So it appears they really want a wall, but that promise, that that issue depended upon Mexico paying for the wall. I will vote to approve the wall the day that DDT gives the system that is clearly in place that will make Mexico pay for it. I just think somebody should have done that. So, so that that became the issue. Yeah, I remember not, that. You used to not bring, wall you bring, or no wall, but wall, yes, if you get the money from Mexico. Yeah, I remember that was that used to be the that used to be your your key, uh, consistent song each time that topic would come up. That over a thousand companies had reduced their spending on Facebook. We want to follow up on this story to protest the company's ineffective hate speech policies and inaccuracy policies. Hundreds of big companies participated in the boycott. It was organized. Facebook all that much because Facebook depends so much, so much upon small companies, smaller companies, that absolutely have to have Facebook given today's market conditions. They organized under the name hashtag Stop Hate for Profit. Facebook has met some of the movement's demands now. By the way company released the results of a civil rights audit last month. They've agreed to hire an executive with a background in civil rights. The social media giant did take a small economic hit during July. But, of course, many large companies were already scaling back their advertising spending in the context of the pandemic. Facebook still reported that in July ad revenue grew 10% over what it did last year. Because, as you said, they don't rely on a few large advertisers like a cable TV giant might. But, as you said, from lots of people put in a little bit of money to get them to buy their, I don't know, thing that strengthens their jawline or gives them an LED hat or, I don't know, like sticky gloves to pick stuff up in the water. That third one I just made up. Many small and mid-sized businesses generate revenue for Facebook, as you said. The boycott's damage to Facebook reputation, though, could be larger. The social media platform continues to face criticism. Uh, Does this make, does this challenge of so many people, Facebook having a near monopoly, and and depending on how you define its market, they have a monopoly, uh, does this make a, a boycott really hard to do because you can't just boycott a handful of products? Yes. Gun sales, thank you for that. Gun sales are through the roof. Background checks are lagging behind. 
Gun sales have been surging during the pandemic. Have you been tracking gun sales, Pop? You haven't bought any guns during the pandemic the yourself. The significance about that is that if if the the check hasn't been made within three days, you can go ahead and sell the gun. And if it turned out a week later that you just sold it to a serial killer, too bad. Yeah, that's what that's what I didn't understand. In March, the FBI received one and a half million requests. We just got a text in. Joe knows all the stories. This is why we do news with my dad, because dad reads all the stories like it, this segment started because I was like, oh, crap, I don't know everything that's going on. I'll bring dad on. He always knows what's going on. now because we prep for stuff. I know more because I follow a bunch of people, you know, a bunch of journalists on social media. I know more than I did before. But before it was really just a chance for me to copy off dad's homework. All right. Uh, one and a half million requests for background checks in March alone to the FBI. But the percentage of stalled background checks has grown. And this is the loophole you were talking about. If a background check takes longer than three days, a gun shop can legally sell anyone a gun. This isn't a problem. Usually, very often, a background checks get processed just fine. But when they're not, this is how Dylan, it can be a real problem when they're not. This is how Dylan Roof was able to buy a gun yep. and kill nine churchgoers in Charleston despite having a previous crime charge. Yep. Preliminary data says there's been an increase of 8% in gun violence from March to May of 2020. That's 776 new incidents. We actually did just have, there was just a shooting. I don't know if you caught this locally, Pop, on 87th, right around the... Uh, Right around the same, right I think the same intersection or the same street that Mr. Ford, the, uh, the young man who was killed the other day, there's 150 rounds fired. Fox News used that. Yeah, apparently by people who are really bad shots. At <laughs> I don't know how I'm supposed to react to that. I did, though. It did occur to me. That when they said 100, the, the headlines 150 shots, and then there was you know one woman recovering. Like I'm luckily I'm happily she's recovering, and I'm glad it's not 149 people who are recovering or not. Uh, by the way, here's a uh, uh, oh uh, Max. We got a text. Max is an avid listener to your show. He's also a good sport when it comes to me putting on my news of my dad shirt. Post a picture of your dad, Jeff, uh, your dog Jefferson. And thanks to both of you for doing the show. Oh, you sent it a picture of Max. Thank you for sending a picture of Max. We'll always accept dog pictures. They're such good boys and girls. COVID has become COVID news that definitely needs to be mentioned. Well, hold on, hold on Dad, on the shootings, on the shootings. Here, okay, there's, there's some dynamics ahead. we got to cover on the shootings because there's right. two there's two things that is, are happening in the discussion. So one one discussion is happening that that folks in the black community are taking some some swipes at Joanne Bowman, uh, Joanne Hardesty, excuse me, that's her former name. Uh, Joanne Hardesty, our city commissioner, for uh, saying for working to defund what used to be called the gang enforcement unit, and and they're taking what what some would characterize as cheap shots, saying, "Aha, see these shootings." There were another two shootings at Deacon Circle last week, and saying, "Look, there's a there's an uptick in gang activity," and trying to connect that to the defunding of the gang gang violence unit. I don't have a particular, you know, I don't have much to say about that, except that I think trying to draw a line of, of causal connection is a is a hazardous thing to do. Uh, but the other is Fox News are using these shooting incidents and trying to connect them somehow, trying to say, well, see, this is because all the police are engaged in protest protection. This is really sort of part of the same thing. And Fox News trying to use it as a way to whack Portland. 
so anyway, I wanted. I don't know if you have comments on that. We can go to the next thing if you want to do, but at least need to flag those two things. That's just that's typical Fox News. Yeah. All right, Dad. You were about to talk about COVID. COVID. Umatilla County, my old stomping grounds, hot stamping place, grounds. especially the city of Hermiston, where they've had really bad outbreaks. July was the worst month for the COVID virus in the United States, and it's really bad around the world. A couple of cruise ships. Cruise ships started going again, and a couple of cruise ships have had an outbreak. Interesting that that uh, Ms. Bricks is finally getting what I think that she ought to be getting. Pelosi, uh, Speaker Pelosi, uh, commented that she didn't have confidence in anything that Bricks had to say, and as and MSNBC. Stated just in fact that she was a liar and called out a liar, and I think that is highly overdue. Internationally, the Hodge, which you know, normally draws two and a half million or so, only thousands have gone, with really serious effects on businesses in in and around Mecca that depend upon the big money they make during those two weeks. Manchester, England has been declared a disaster area. Mexico is now now has the fourth largest number of deaths from the virus. And Congress and the White House are at an impasse in a new relief bill. And of course, bankruptcies continue. Lord and Taylor's just declared a chapter 11. It is affecting everybody, and what I'm what I'm aware of is that I was putting together what we should talk about this morning. We're saying, well, there's so much COVID, we don't need to talk about that, and that's really risky because we could become numbed to the COVID, which is now climbing something like 154,000 people, and predictions that it could add another 30,000 in the next month or so. We we got to keep talking about it. Well, Dad, I don't know if you noticed this, but Republicans in the state Senate here in Oregon are trying to block, or at least trying to persuade the governor not to apply the same rules in Eastern Oregon about school reopening as are being applied elsewhere in the state. Right now, you've got to have I think it's only ten in order to open the school. You've got to have only 10 or fewer cases per 100,000 people in a county in order for a school to reopen. And a lot of them have 30 or more. Well, they made it. They made it easier on the the governor made it easier on rural school districts. They said they can reopen with infection rates of 30 cases per 100,000 for three weeks. But the Eastern Oregon Republicans are saying that these metrics are still too restrictive. And they want local leadership to set guidelines instead of state officials. Representative Mark Owens of Crane, Oregon, said that online classes are not feasible for most of the people they represent. I hear that argument. Uh, here's he's what probably he's probably right, and I have to also say I don't see how you can possibly think that online is going to work for first and second graders. That's a good question. I don't know either. Representative Daniel Bonham, though, this was the quote I really like. Everything has an element, as he's from the Dalles, that everything has an element of risk to it, and we take calculated risks. 
We try to do the best for the majority of constituents we serve. Uh, all right, we got it. We've got a text, Dad. We're gonna have to deal with this. That's an important controversy. Well, I can't get to that controversy yet. We're gonna have to get to this controversy yet, and then, and then, and we're just gonna have to have it out. But before we do it, it's the stamping ground versus stomping ground controversy. Okay, but before we get to that, Dad, I want to say it. My fear here, Pop, is that the argument about rural schools tends to be two things. Well, rural areas won't get as many cases because people don't live as close together. And then the other one is, the one I'm sensitive to is, yeah, there isn't as good internet coverage there. And that's in significant part because we haven't had a public commitment to public internet as have Northern European countries. So we, you know, we, the state should have laid, the state should have been laying cable for Wi-Fi for everybody to get it so that everybody had it and not just rely on private companies. That's why we have worse cell service, for instance, than other, uh, than other developed nations, other rich nations. But I worry that it's not because that the arguments that the rural counties are making, the Eastern Oregon is making, is not because of, ha- of a different lifestyle or different realities, but of because a different news channel that they watch, that it's actually political, that these folks are, 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 ha- have a different appetite for trying to address it. And meanwhile, Umatilla and Morrow counties are the two counties in Oregon that are both in the top 100. They're 70th and 75th, respectively, I believe, out of 3,000 U.S. counties, more than 3,000 U.S. counties, they are in the top one, both in the top 100, actually in the top 75, for highest increase in cases per 100,000 residents. What do you think about that? Scary. All right, we got to have it out. Okay, we got it. We got a text. The phrase is stomping ground, not stamping. Okay, now here's, here's, I've done the research. Uh, I, I believe that you are incorrect. <laughs> no, it is. It is. It, it, it is true. We should. We should. We should make it clear that we are now talking about one of the unimportant things. This is not. This is not important. This is not important. So the original phrase, going back to 1821, was stamping grounds. Now the word stamping, it's like it's like chomping on the bit versus champing on the bit. It's a little bit like that. And ch- and now you can get away with saying chomping on the bit, and almost everybody does. And I believe almost everybody's wrong, because if you watch, if you watch a horse. They don't chomp. It's not as much of a chomp on a bit when they're working the bit. They work the bit. The counter to what I just said is that chomp and champ have the same root. Chomp is a variation of champ. But speaking to stomp versus stamp, where your stamping grounds are your stomping grounds, is the original phrase 1821 was stamping. And the original word was stamp. That goes back to the 1300s. Uh, stomping ground still has a long record. That goes back to, I think, the 1850s. Of course, the 1850s are right around the Civil War era, and so I don't know. I mean, who knows what craziness was happening with words during that time. But now it is true that more people say stomping grounds than stamping grounds. I still prefer the original, and I'm. it's a losing battle. And therefore, maybe I shouldn't be using airtime to continue to wage that losing battle. You're right. Anyway, I don't I think that was Joe Pesci who sent that text. Joe Pesci who cares a lot about the roots of American idioms. It's very so important. Some election news. There are primaries Joe tomorrow Pesci. in Arizona, Kansas, Michigan, and Missouri, and Washington. And some things to watch in Kansas. Will Chris Kovac be nominated as the Republican candidate for the Senate? He's, he's received significant support from Peter Thiel. And Laura Ingraham in Michigan, Congresswoman Klaib is facing 
serious opposition in uh, just a lot of things to watch yesterday with or tomorrow rather with those and those are those are congressional primaries or those are uh, yeah. Senate primaries just congressional primaries yeah yep. or the state uh, U S House primaries yep. uh, Joe Arpaio dad is running for sheriff again yes he is running for sheriff he he will he will and he may be nominated tomorrow he's got a chance because there there are three candidates and uh, so I think I guess if he gets thirty eight percent of the vote he could be nominated eighty eight years old. He wants to he's die. he's older than you are. Do you think he has? Do you think he has issues of throat clearing? <laughs> I'll bet he does. He probably he probably has some issues of throat clear throat clear. Chris Kobach, I think I'm pronouncing that name right. The old Secretary of State of Kansas, the big guy that prioritizes um, uh, voter suppression. That is really dividing a bunch of the a bunch of the Republican apparatus. That a lot of he is a darling of some of the right wing, but there's others who think that if that guy is in fact the Senate nominee in Kansas, it puts a Senate race on the board that actually makes it possible for a Democrat to win a Kansas Senate seat, uh, and that puts things and, and that's a big big deal. So that's dividing Republicans right now. Another thing will be interesting to see tomorrow in Washington, in Seattle, a an interesting combination of a an LGBT woman who is a devout Catholic and calls herself a, a real progressive and, and apparently is a real progressive is running to for, for the congressional seat that in Seattle that will be interesting to see and while we're talking about election news do you think do you think that there will be media present inside the arena at the Republican National Convention? What's oh. your bet? Wait, say, say how you worded the question again. Will there be live a live audience there? Yeah, yeah no, no. Are they going to let the media in? Because there's talk about saying no media. Yeah, they'll let some in. Of course, if they said no media, that would mean Fox also, which might keep it from it. But they might do they might do the thing like the NBA is, NBA is doing, where they let in cameras but not people. Could be right, Could and be. and uh, I mean you obviously have to be some people yeah. to set up the cameras, but where you know most of that's happening from remote. Uh, but that, there are some probably, cameras. That probably that. might be the most likely. Does the name Michael Kurt Stetler mean anything to you? No, but I mean no offense to Michael Kurt Settler. We just well, did not hang out Kurt in the same Settler old stomping did grounds. did not mean anything to me until this morning's paper in which there is an ad by Michael Kurt Stettler urging people to show up one week from today in the Kmart parking lot in Roseburg, Oregon, so he can get on the ballot as a, a non-affiliated candidate for the United States Senate. Where? Roseburg. The Kmart parking lot in Roseburg. He, he's running today. for the U.S. Senate in our state? Yes. Against who? <laughs> against, against Senator Merkley. All right. And what do we know about this guy? Uh, I know nothing other than the fact that he has a, a, a very well-designed ad in today's paper. In the Oregonian? Yes. Like how big? Oh, about uh, several inches. B big enough, big enough that it catches your attention, and 
and concise enough that it's easy to read, and I think a lot of people who get the paper will read it. I missed all of this. Okay, here's I found some more. I found I missed this entirely. Thank you. This again. Thank you for letting me copy your homework. And by the way, if you have things we're missing, you can text at 971-220-5979. If you are champing at the bit to communicate with us, it's 971-220-5979. Unaffiliated candidate from Lake County, from Christmas Valley, uh, trying to gather. He's a, he's a material handler for Cupertino Electric. He's got a, he's a occupational background, is an electrician, U.S. Navy vet. He was an aviation machinist. Uh, he's, he is, uh, he was turned off from party politics and that's what I know at this point. That's why he became, that's why he became a non-affiliated. Uh, he says, he, oh, he says he's, uh, I don't see Joe Biden doing any better. Uh, quite frankly, we, uh, and quite frankly, we need to roll with another four years of Trump. Okay. So he's a Trump supporter. He's, he's described as, he's described as a conservative, uh, but he says maybe he has some socially liberal views. Uh, so he does, except for he doesn't care about gender identity and he cares and he says, I care about all lives and black lives matter in Africa, too. That's his other quote. Uh, that's a so I'm not prepared to characterize uh, Michael Stetler yet, but I think I'm getting a starting to get an idea who this cat is. I, I don't I don't want us to get away today with it is a quick pivot, but I don't want to get away today without acknowledging what a moving experience was for those of us who had the opportunity to watch the televised funeral of Congressman John Lewis. Preach. Speech after speech after speech was just so powerful, so meaningful. Yeah, and uh, we did talk about it on the local. We talked about it a little bit uh, here on X-Ray, of course, and genuine American hero, uh, and it's and the spookiness of the timing is th- th- that happening in oh, the yeah. midst of this uprising. Yep. Uh, we are going to be talking to Kent Ford. Uh, Kent Ford is who has been engaged in the fight for civil rights. Uh, former captain of the Portland chapter of the Black Panther Party. We're going to be talking to Kent Ford in just a few minutes. You can people can stay tuned. For that, uh, Dad, other you got another couple few quick stories that we got to get through before a strong well, win. Well, I, I think I think it's worth mentioning that the that the folks who invaded some 130 Twitter accounts, including Obama, etc., and sent out messages saying send us bitcoins and we'll send you bitcoins back, and and defrauded people of at least a hundred. And fifty thousand bucks turned out to be a seventeen-year-old, a nineteen-year-old, and a twenty-two-year-old, and it looks like they have nabbed them. I think it might be worth mentioning that the documents that have been published about the Epstein stuff claims that both uh, Dershowitz and Prince Andrew were customers of. Uh, maybe customers is the wrong word. Conspirators took, took advantage of the juvenile women that Rape, pop. Epstein provided. Microsoft is serious about buying TikTok, or at least the TikTok for the United States and Canada. And uh, Trump has said, "Well, but we'll give them 45 days to get the job done." And the the 
The United States has wildfires on the West Coast and storms, hurricane storms on the East Coast. We live in such a sheltered place in Oregon. Yeah, we're pretty lucky. That Multnomah County November ballot might include two different universal preschool measures. We have talked to proponents of both of these. Uh, the universal preschool now got they gathered over 32,000 petition signatures to advocate for putting universal preschool on the November ballot. Meanwhile, Jessica Vega Peterson in the county has been uh, pushing a, a, a somewhat more modest measure in the within the county. And now the uh, two contingents are trying to negotiate potentially some merging of the plans. The big difference. University of Preschool now, of course, is already qualified for the ballot. Board of Commissioners can refer an initiative to the ballot. They now face a couple of choices. They could just adopt it out of hand, uh, and then their other option would likely be discarded, or they can put the county plan, they can put uh, Jessica Vega Peterson's plan to the ballot, and then there would be two on the ballot. And that would have, uh, and and that might in fact be the safest option. But Dad, would that might would that confuse voters or make it more clear that it was really important? Would that strengthen the campaign? What what might you do if you were in the county commissioner's sh- shoes? And that's not the same thing as asking if you're the head of Republican leadership. <laughs> well, in answer to your question, will it confuse or will it make it clear? It will do. It will. It would do both. Folks, folks who are skimmers rather than scanners likely to be confused and people who are scanners not skimmers might say oh oh, well I I see that's I understand now the big difference that as far as we can tell the big difference is the university preschool now is preschool for everybody sort of like public school like everybody gets it okay the preschool for all plan gives help to parents under a certain income level I think I have a preference. I'm not, I'm not going to weigh in on this specific thing, on, on each sort of specific element of these plans. I don't want to do that. But I do hear the argument. Do you have a preference, Dad, between a universal benefit or a targeted benefit for low-income folks? Well, the targeted benefit, the problem with the targeted benefit is it requires a substantially larger bureaucracy. If you have universal benefit, it, uh, it can pretty much be done by robots. Uh, yeah, the qualifica- there is a qualification issue, right? The administrative costs go up a little bit. But for me, it, just being a part of, to me, one of the things we have to build and rebuild in this country is a sense of shared experience, is having not just like, okay, rich people, you go over there, middle class people, you go over there, poor people, you go over there. It doesn't all have to be an airplane. It doesn't always have to be there's first class and then a, and then a curtain and then everybody behind the curtain. That if, like public schools, if we can get, if we can have our public schools nice enough so that parents with choices send their kids there, then that creates less social stratification and a greater sense of shared experience. It's the kind of thing, that, and the way, the way that Donald Trump would say the only way you do that well, that you have to have a national language and drum out anybody who might speak a different language. I say, well, David Douglas is helping build a set. We just talked to their student body president. They're helping to build a sense of shared experience, a sense of in this together. They speak like 60 languages of that school. It's nice to have some common ability to communicate, to be sure, but it also is nice that people are coming together in a common place and all being uh, all considering themselves, you know, members of the David Douglas community, member the members of the Grant High School community. So I do like that argument for University Preschool now, but we will of course continue to track that. 
Wildfire Eastwood River has grown beyond 100 acres. It is fire season. Do be careful. Don't flick cigarettes on trees, folks. Uh, The Department of Forestry treated on Sunday that fire danger is extreme in the central Oregon district, which includes Hood River. So far, well, the cause is still being investigated. So far, no buildings have been threatened. That's some good news. Dad, the Blazers won one game, lost one game. Are we going to make the playoffs? They were down 24, and they only lost by four. It was kind of heartbreaking that they had such a great comeback but didn't quite make it. And to the extent that sports matters, that game mattered because if we right now we're two and a half games back of the Grizzlies uh, if we wanted to be in the eighth spot, and we're a half a game behind the Spurs if we want to get into the play-in game. So every one of these games, there's six games, Blazers got six games left, and every single game is going to matter. for their, And there's several teams right behind them. So I, I figure if the Blazers go 4-2 and two in the next six games, I think we'll make the play-in, play-in game. They've got to go 4-2. Right, but if they don't, if we go 3-3, three and three, we won't make the play-in game. That's my own, that's my, that's my prediction. Yeah. Uh, we got a wrap, Pop. Uh, I think it is time for your straw. Well, you know, I want to hang I want to Oh, you want to hang around for Kent, Kent Forge. Why don't I do my straw in the wind after, after we that. talk to Kent? Sounds good, Pop. By the way, the Oregon Zoo released 23 endangered turtles. They're pretty cute. Since May 25th, Portland has seen nightly protests across the nation and here in our town on behalf of the Black Lives Matter movement. Protests in response to police brutality and against racism against black Americans, the catalyst being the murder of George Floyd by the Minneapolis Police Department. Portland, of course, has its own history of police brutality against black Americans. Just in September of 2018, Portland police killed Patrick Kimmons, for whom demonstrations are still taking place each week. This morning, we're talking to somebody who can teach us more about both Portland and the United States history in the fight for civil rights, Kent Ford. Ford is the former captain of the Portland chapter of the Black Panther Party. Kent, good morning. Good morning. Thank you for joining us, sir. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. So let's let's start with. Do you want to start in the present, or do you want to start back in the day? Your call. And, and by the way, yeah, it doesn't I, matter I, to me. You I, know, I want to make sure that people know. We can go backwards and forwards. You know, it all depends on what's more important to you. All right. Well, Dad, you had something to say, Pop. Go ahead. And I then just, I just want to make sure that you are aware, and he is aware, and listeners aware, that his youngest son was one of your close pals when you were a little boy, and his daughter. Was one of my was a file clerk for me when she was in high school. Is Seku is Seku uh, your grandson or son? Seku is my youngest son. Oh, that's great! Yes, yeah, we used to. Okay, so we met when I was a little kid, and yeah, because we used to run, we used to run together. Oh, that's great! Oh. Oh, well, thank okay. you so much for joining us. So, so tell us about the. I, I bet you the number of listeners who could give chapter and verse on the history of the Black Panther Party in Portland is very, very low. Give us what you think people need to know about how the Black Panthers were engaged here in Portland. Repeat that question again, please. Yeah, just tell us some about the history of Black Panthers here in Portland. Actually, uh, thanks. Uh, It's a history no more than party chapter uh, in any other uh, state. You know, that we had... uh, you know, we the parties spreaded across America like a prairie fire. You know, like 28 chapters, including the District of Columbia and and Oregon. Uh, Portland was no different. You know, we had a chapter in Seattle. With Seattle, Seattle was a second chapter outside of Oakland, and uh, you had a chapter in Eugene. You know, and then we had a chapter here in Portland, and uh, that's pretty much it. How did you get engaged? How did you hook up with them? 
Well, actually, uh, what brought me into the party, a, a lot of people, uh, you know, uh, I don't want to tell you, I want to tell you it wasn't the civil rights movement. It wasn't the, uh, it, it wasn't the uh, uh, civil rights movement of Dr. King. It, it was, uh, it, it was uh, sort of like uh, trying to, uh, the Malcolm and, uh, and, and Malcolm's wife and uh, Huey, you know, Huey actually brought me into the party personally. And, uh, when the weekend he got out of jail, you know, he walked over to me and asked me, I, I was there, you know, and he asked, asked me where was I from. I told him Portland, you know, and he, next thing he asked me, did we have any buildings? Well, I said, yeah, we got three buildings, you know. We didn't use the city buildings or the state buildings. We got our own buildings, you know, for the health clinic, the dental clinic, the breakfast program, you know, and we we uh, we had our own building. So, you know, nobody can tell us about policy. Uh, that we have to do it day way or anything like that. Huey Newton, so, Huey Newton, founder of the Black Panther Party. How did you two meet? Actually, I went down for a distribution conference. You know, the party I uh, had, the party I uh, had a weekly paper that came out back in the back in the day, and uh, we had we sold over a hundred thousand papers. I distributed more than a hundred thousand papers nationwide uh, every week, and so I went down for a distribution conference. It was the weekend he got out of prison behind all that business with, uh, with the Oakland police. And so we're in, the, we're in the back of the uh, place on Pareto Street down in uh, West Oakland. And he walked in, you know, we were just doing some stuff, you know, lifting weights and stuff like that. And uh, sort of, you know, we uh, preparing ourselves for the struggle, you know, uh, that was ahead. So he, in the process, near the end, he walked through it to me again. He asked me where we were from, and I told him, you know, and then a week later, he brought me brought me into the party. I kind of was on the fringes before that. This was in 1969 or 70. Uh, I can remember now, you know, and some of it I can remember as if it was yesterday. And, uh, and when you were, so you join up in 1969, and you said you started operating buildings that offered services. Talk about some of the services that the Black Panther Party in Portland was providing. Uh, we had a breakfast program, you know, nationwide. We fed a uh, 30,000 kids nationwide, and uh, here in Portland, uh, we had uh, a breakfast program, and a week a week after the uh, we st- started the breakfast program, then Governor Tom McCall went on statewide TV, a, a pre- had a press conference saying that the public, Portland Public School was going to uh, have, bre- have a breakfast program in all the Portland Public Schools, and uh, we had uh, two blocks from the from uh, Highland School, which is named Martin Luther King School, you know the city got into the Martin Luther King business uh, in the late uh, uh, in the, in the, in the late seventies. That's when they got into the Martin Luther King business, started renaming streets and schools and and and, 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 and apartment buildings, and so so you have it. So what happened? Uh, we uh, that's one of the big, biggest and baddest things we did, you know, at 5 o'clock in the morning, you know, we'd be loading the trunk of the car with what you call weapons of mass destruction, you know, a bacon, eggs, pancake mix, and, and head, head, to the, head to feed the kids in the morning. Kids still come up to me today, you know, uh, acknowledge me and appreciate me, uh, you know, for, for what I used to do for them. I never knew, and they were little things then, they're in their 50s now, you know, and uh, 
but that's one of the, that's one of the biggest and baddest things that we done. No, the free breakfast thing. I mean, I, I was we had when I went to Grant, we had a breakfast program, and I I bet you the percentage of young people at Grant who knew that that was something that got started by the Black Panther Party of the United States is far too low a percentage. Well, that that may be true, you know, but uh, it doesn't matter, you know, to to us, you know. Uh, uh, you know, we 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 started it. You know, we sustained it for years, and uh, we maintained it. And uh, and uh, you know, it's just to, to show you know what you know these are so-called you know black berets or uh, uh, militants and all this. You know, what you know we uh, it could do for the people. And the party had a ten-point platform and program. You know, and it was just. Uh, uh, speaking out of Lewis and Clark College and, uh, and uh, just uh, back Black History Month. And after the end of the program, you know, they read the 10-point platforming program uh, of the Black Panther Party. And number seven is, we, you know, we want to immediately end the police brutality and murder of black people. And that's as relevant when it was written in 1966 as it is today in 2020. I'm looking at it. I'm, like, I'm looking at it right now. Uh, we believe we can end police brutality in our black community by organizing black self-defense groups who are dedicated to defending our black community from racist police oppression and brutality. What was your experience, the extent you want to share, at, in the in the you know very end of the 1960s and in the 1970s and moving forward around police interactions uh, with the black community that you were that, that you witnessed or had to engage in? Actually, you know, I, I could probably go for the rest of the day and night, you know, on uh, on, on the treachery, you know, that the Portland Police Department, uh, you know, uh, was uh, engaged in in the black community, you know, from, uh, you know, downright, you know, just uh, sh- uh, uh, murdering 16-year-old kids and, you know, just, and no questions asked, just throwing you in jail and in prison, you go, you know, and uh, you don't have a chance to defend yourself on fair trials, to get downtown, you know, you, all the judges, you know, uh, uh, was appointed by, you know, say some of the governors and and one by the mayor, you know, and uh, and so so basically, uh, that that's what you had, and just no questions asked, you know, and and uh, my experience with that, uh, yeah, uh, you know, uh, it was a uh, police force of maybe six or seven hundred uh, officers officers then, you know, and uh, and and uh, you know the commissioners and and uh, you know the police commissioners and stuff like that. Once we had a guy, Charles Jordan, we have a joy. He was he was he was commissioner of police. You know they yep. they they put him in charge of it, but they told him he couldn't fire the police chief. You know, and well you know he 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 took the job anyway. You know, and uh, it was just 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 token figurehead stuff. You know and. I remember when I remember 1981, and this, and if I had known about this, I forgot about this. 1981, the Burger Barn incident, when uh, at least two officers, maybe, maybe as many as ten officers, put dead possums outside the Burger Barn, which was a black-owned uh, burger establishment. Was the Black Panther Party still going on in 1981? Were you were you uh, were you aware of that? I mean, I assume that was that was well on your radar screen. That was done by police officers. Exactly. Yeah. The, uh, they actually, the owner of the Burger Barn, you know, uh, George uh, George Poole and his wife uh, Jerry, you know, we we were friends, you know, we stop in there all the time and shoot the breeze, you know, and and it was just a little mom and pop pops operation, but for some reason they didn't like the Burger Barn, you know, and so they decided to go to that length, but it was the political climate at the time, you know, we, we had a Republican governor, we and uh, you know we had old Frank Iverson, you know, with bless his racist soul, you know, and. Uh, 
Cointel Pro had pretty much uh, pushed everything to the curb, you know, with, uh, with their treachery. And uh, but anyway, they threw those possums in front of the Burger Barn and uh, his son Andre, you know. Uh, in uh, uh, anyway, his son Andre seen the whole thing unfold, you know, and uh, what happened. So I called Charles, you know, I asked him what he was going to do about this. And he said, oh, I'm going to move on this, Ken. I said, you know, back in my mind, I said, sure he is, you know. And uh, puppets, you know, they they, they don't uh, amount to much. And uh, you have to let history play out sometime. So what what happened, you know, and I think a couple of guys got uh, suspended from the force and dismissed. And they called some, some arbitrator in from Southern Oregon. And uh, and they put him back on the job, and uh, that was it, you know. And so this has been going on for the the, the challenges with the you know you would describe as treachery has been going on not you know just in the last six months, but in the last many decades. What has been your reaction to the current? Uh, we can call it awakening. We can call it. Uh, uh, we can call it a moment. We can call it a movement to the uprising that's happening right now in the streets of Portland and around the country. What has been your reaction to that? Is it just a, a long time coming? Has it been gratification? Has it been pain? What's been your feeling about it? It's been uh, some of the words that you use, you know, gratification, you know, and uh, it, it, it's, not a, it, it's not a moment. It, it, it's, a, it, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. And uh, we're going into our third month, you know, down at the Justice Center, and uh, the city sent and then they sent the ministers down there talking about they want to try to get it refocused, you know, after after uh, George, uh, not not uh, George Floyd, but uh, the senator, the congressman from Georgia, what's his, uh, John Lewis. Oh, thank you. Sorry. Yeah, after he passed away, and they they shoot down there, you know, and talking about they want to get it refocused, and one of the ministers I knew his dad. And uh, you know, just go to his church, good man. And and his son is a minister now, a good guy, nice young man. In fact, he used to come to the his family used to come to the health clinic, you know. And then he said, we want to get this refocus, and uh, and it, it never lost his focus down at the Justice Center. And uh, it's it's still on track, and uh, you know. But anyway, that, it's right in the middle of the Justice Center, the Federal Courthouse, and the three letter guys that are right down the street. They all, uh, they all, that's it. Reddit, Corn Tall, and all that. That's the financial district, and uh, up the street is the Apple stores and all of that. And uh, but it never lost its focus. And uh, there's the county courthouse. We used to go down to the county courthouse, uh, partner, and uh, but we couldn't get to the courtrooms. They put the benches out in front of the hallways, so we couldn't get to the courtrooms. And, and uh, that 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 was that was only right. Uh, after they shoot somebody over here, and we ask the community to step up and come down to the courthouse. And over the years, uh, so it's, it, it's kind of like gratification and the, the federal courthouse, you know, where they, they point out all these federal judges uh, under Bush and uh, Clinton and uh, Obama and all of them, right? and even uh, our current president, you know, the uh, the, the uh, what you call the poster boy for white supremacy, uh, and uh, Donald Trump. And this is not me talking. This is the mayor of London talking, who's a Muslim guy. Uh, uh, Calling him a poster boy for white supremacy. But anyway, they're putting all these judges and they hand on these decisions, you know, and they won't won't prosecute no civil rights cases. 
You've been watching, so you mentioned COINTELPRO and the sort of the uh, the government crackdown, the government uh, uh, trying to do away with and target the Black Panther Party. How did you observe that? What were the uh, what were the activities that were taken? What were the attacks engaging on the Black Panther Party in Portland that you watched? And what were the what were you up against trying to organize what you were organizing? Well, actually, we were already pretty well organized and entrenched, and so when we they tried to, one of the, uh, the treacherous was, you know, they would recruit some of the local guys, you know, that hand, hand some money, yes, some money there, and they were running their treachery out of the, the uh, Albina Head Start, and uh, out, of the, out of the, actually, the Albina Head Start daycare, and it was an essential, the party programs, and so they put a, put a you know, one of some spine, a spineless demigod, a spineless demigod in charge, and, uh, and he, he, and he, he, you know, he was, he was sly, you know, and he, he, oh, he loved to talk to the media and all that, you know. And uh, but anyway, you know, but he uh, it, it didn't have the heart of two dead flies, and so they they, they used him and and running their treachery out of there and for years and years, you know. And and uh, those guys don't quit; they just don't quit. And, and uh, but anyway, you know, uh, I, I actually I'm a survivor of Cointel Pro. And, and uh, but we we were already sit pretty much entrenched, you know, in the heydays of the of the, of the struggle, another party, and and the they, they and so anyway, our legacy lives on from the we were the only chapter in the country to have a have a free dental clinic, and uh, we had our health clinic was open seven five nights a week from seven to ten o'clock uh, every evening. We and we had a doctor there every night. We see anywhere from twenty to thirty patients a night. The dental clinic was open two nights a week. I'm looking so at we were, all, we were we were already entrenched, you know, in the neighborhood, and, they, and you know they tried to undo everything that we'd done. They even, and how they do that? How they try to how uh, how they try to undo what you'd done? Well, they would sit up. Let me let me tell you one of the, one of the treacherous things that they done. The doctors who were volunteering at the health clinic. They sent out. They went down the complete list of Montgomery County Medical Society, and I didn't notice till years later, and sent them letters telling them not to volunteer at the health clinic, because it was uh, in the day, you know, it was run by a bunch of terrorists, and uh, and so they're going to set up an alternative clinic out in Southeast Portland, and and asking them the doctors to to volunteer there. Well, some of the doctors stayed, some of them dropped out, but I I didn't notice it some years later. But you know we sustained and maintained these programs for over a decade, and and nobody told us we wasn't on anybody's payroll, and we were just doing it, you know, we from 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 from, from our heart. I'm looking at the ten point program. We want freedom. We want full employment. We want an end to the robbery by the capitalists of our black and oppressed communities. We want decent housing fit for shelter of human beings. We want education of our people. We want black men to be exempt from military service. We want immediate end to police brutality and the murder of black people. We want freedom for all black men held in federal, state, county, and city prisons and jails. We want all black people when brought to trial to be tried in the court by a jury of their peer group. We want land, bread, housing, education, clothing, justice, and peace. How did that ten, who wrote that 10-point program? Uh, and how did, how did they get it down to 10? Well, it was... Uh written by, I think, about a half a dozen guys at, the, at a community college, Marriott College in uh, Oakland. And big man who recently passed away, and that was Bobby Seals, Huey, and I don't quite know so many other guys. Uh, 
I think I do, but I, I, I met them all, but some of them have passed away over the years. And, uh, and, and those guys wrote that and they projected this. And I want to stress, we were revolutionary socialists. We organized from the street corners. And it wasn't a civil rights movement that actually brought me into the struggle. It was the Viet- my opposition to the Vietnam War. And that was that point six, that uh, that opposition to the to mandatory military service. I noticed that in there. I'm looking at a picture of you right now in the Oregon Encyclopedia. You're sitting with a group of kids in 1971 around the free breakfast program. Look at another picture, Fred Hampton's People's Free Health Clinic uh, okay. on North yeah. Russell. Exactly, exactly. What's it? What's it? Legacy. If there's, and we've got, we've got our guest who was supposed to be on several minutes ago, and I've just enjoyed talking to you. Uh, but if you're cool to, uh, if we're cool to keep going, let's keep going. What are other pieces of the legacy you want to make sure people remember? As there's a chance, as people right now are trying to figure out how they keep going on this thing, how to make sure, as you said, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Uh, how did? How were you able to keep going for not just you know 50 days, but for more than 50 weeks? What was the, What was the key to maintaining energy for the struggle? Just uh, be consistent, showing up every day, um, uh, uh, again, it's a marathon, it's not a sprint, uh, it, uh, it's, uh, yep, uh, we, we, back in the day, Comrade George Jackson, uh, who was assassinated in the San Quentin, he was, he was said, you, actually, you didn't, you didn't join us. But we joined you, and, and uh, when I was in China, you know, I was way over out in the exterior, way out in the exterior, out of out of Mongolia, someplace, and we we turned a museum back way back in 1975. Uh, and what do I see in the one in the museum? It was a Black Panther Party newspaper. And who? And, and again, you know, I'm over ten, maybe ten or twelve thousand miles from Portland. And uh, this, again, this was in 1975. But the legacy, you know, just. Just do what you, what's in your heart. Do what you think is uh, what you know is right. And, and, and don't force nothing. Just do it. And pull back. Sting, pull back. Sting, pull back. And uh, it, and that, that's what they've been doing out at the Justice Center. And, uh, you know, talking about getting things refocused and sending uh, demigods, the middle of the road, and fence drivers down there, you know, to try to divert people from the center. Everybody knows the struggles at the Justice Center. And, and uh and it's never lost its focus. It's right on track. How how they able to? If it lost its focus, it would be somewhere else, you know. And and uh, this is where uh, things are taking place, you know. And even the mayor, one one of the members on the city council, you know, I'm not, I, I don't, I really don't do it, you know. The, the, the Joanne, I don't do it, you know. I just don't do it, you know. And she crooked as a brother, so they, you know. And but the mayor came down, you know. He even got tear gas, you know. And I, my hat's off to him. We're coming out on you and and uh, everything, and, t- and and seeing seeing what's going on on there. What are elements if you were if you were going to sit down with people who are organizing some of the current protests, and you were going to offer any advice, and I bet you they'd take it. What would be in addition to your advice? If it's not a marathon, not it's a it is a marathon, not a sprint. In addition to your advice of follow your heart, do what you know is right. Any pieces of advice, and maybe you wouldn't want to offer any, but any piece of advice you might want to offer. To people who are organizing the current protests. Sure. Thank, thank, thanks for the question. Uh, actually, uh, just just keep things simple. You know, we're doing nothing wrong around there. And uh, 
just look out for each other, watch each other's, other's back, and uh, just continue to float like butterflies and sting like bees. Uh, uh, let's teach them a lesson that they never forget. And um, we've accomplished more. We've accomplished more. In uh, 60, 65, 66 days, the civil rights accomplished in over 60 years. This was, in 1970, we filed a deal with the uh, city council, you know, for community control of police. Boy, Terry shrunk, you know, with his, with his white supremacist self, and uh, he couldn't help himself. That's what he was, and uh, he he unleashed a certain a, a certain goon squad on us, you know. They raided us. They shot 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 a, shot one of the guys that came in. Uh, 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 they they, they plotted all kind of treachery against us. And, None of us supposed supposed to be here today, but we're still here. And, and but anyway, uh, with community control of police, I'm, I'm, I'm losing my, my train of thought here, and, and I'm trying to see where I'm going with this. And uh, and so when, when we found that thing with the, with the police, you know, their reputation was so bad and bad in Albina, uh, they couldn't recruit none of the local guys here to join the police force, and they really didn't care. They would have to go into the armed forces, the air force, the army, the navy, the marines, and any of the guys that went in, and uh, 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 the guys from Vietnam, you know. And this, this is what irritated COINTELPRO. The guys who come back from Vietnam, they would join us. One of the guys was Tom, Tom and I said, Coach, Coach Dad, the writer, uh, Paul Coates. Oh, wow. He has a public, publishing company today, and uh, Huey, uh, Huey, Huey wasn't in the service. Bobby Seals was. Big man was in the service. All these guys, uh, all these guys was in the military. They were initially, uh, those, those are the initial uh, writers of the 10-point platform and program. And you... uh, I, I was downtown in February and uh, at the main library, you know, as one of the, one of the, one of the main speakers. And, and, and the Mortimer County Library, you have to give them credit for that, uh, uh, friend. Uh, let me tell you, they had the ten-point platform and program in a, in, in a glass case down there. They had books by the party and all this and that. I remember back in the day, right across from the public library, they had a bookstore. This was way back in 1966 or 67. And he, here's what the owner of the bookstore told me at that time. He says, anything with black on it sells like hotcakes. Because if you go over to the main library, there wasn't nothing in there on anything black, you know, uh, like Black Power, uh, uh, Stroker Carmichael's books, uh, Malcolm's books, nothing, you know. And, and uh, you go across the street, he had this bookstore, and this is how this man made his living on uh, selling uh, books of the Times, you know, books on Malcolm, books on Martin. You said earlier, you said they're accomplishing more in 60 days than we're able to accomplish in 60 years. In civil rights, yes, that's what I said, yeah. I'm reminded of the Jacob Reese quote, when nothing seems to help, I go and look at a stone cutter hammering away at his rock perhaps a hundred times without as much as a crack showing in it, <laughs> yet at the hundred and first blow it'll split in two. And I know it was not that blow that did it, but all that had gone before. When you see now some of the rock splitting, how much do you think about all of the rock pounding, of all the stone cutting that's been going on for decades? Uh, thank you very much for that question. What, what, what can I add to that? You know, uh, it, it, 
you, you can't put this back in the back. This time we have to take it to its conclusion. Just before, you know, you had me on, and I was talking to somebody about daycare, you know, universal daycare for everybody, Medicare for everybody. Uh, let's push things to its conclusion now. No more concessions, no more wood nickels. Uh, corporate, corporate America has failed, failed black America. Again, we were revolutionary socialists. We organized from the street corners. Uh, uh, you know, one day, uh, I, I do these walking tours, you know, of, of the neighborhood about all our sites, you know, the dental clinics, the health clinics, the breakfast programs. And, uh, and I explain, I, I, I get into civil rights, you know. I get into the preacher, uh, the, 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 the preacher who turned activist and, and uh and but no, everybody you know think Martin Luther King gave two speeches, and that was the uh, "I Have a Dream" and the uh, the other speech, Mountaintop. But then he gave that speech at uh, six sixty seven uh, at Riverside Church in uh, in New York, you know, where he talked, where he turned against the Vietnam War. And uh, after he had done that, almost a year to the day, Dr. King was dead. But anyway, I'll no. Let, let's dwell on that for a moment, if you would. We're talking to Kent Ford, uh, founder and captain of the Portland chapter of the Black Panther Party. Started out here in 1969. Uh, been a Portland resident for a long time. The, you said something just really, really important. That right now, I mean, we see the NBA with Black Lives Matter on the on the floor of the games, okay? And we see now the media is covering this differently than they covered it 40 years ago. I would argue that's good news. On the other hand, right, the the NBA is not is not pushing for, you know, universal preschool. They're not pushing for universal food programs. They're not pushing for housing programs. They're not pushing for something that's going to do something about generational wealth disparities. And what I heard you say was this is not just this is not just a matter of of you know, corporate power recognizing black lives a little more. What I think you're pushing for is transformational societal change, but I don't want to put words in your mouth. No, 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 I like what you said. I, I like what you've been saying so far. It's pretty much what I want to say is what you've been saying. Uh, you know, it, it, this is no, you know, a few, a few of us get some jobs, you know, I get, I get in, you know, corporate America and, uh, you know, make some management, I get in some, I make some uh, handouts and decisions. You want uh put us in position of powers and influence and all that. You know, we get power, but we don't have the influence or anything like that. And and then you know the uh, America survives. There's old air air saying, you know, the dogs bark, but the caravan moves on. And so that's what's happening now. The, the caravan is moving on, and and all, all the stuff from the from the sixties and all that, all that, and the, and all the uh, civil rights stuff, and I have a dream and mountaintop and all that. And all that's good, you know. That that, that they, they, they done push, they done started for over 50, 50 or 60, 55 years, 60 years now, since 19, when he made the speech in 1963. But anyway, all that's, and then Mark, they got it. And all the communities are all across America. You have MLK Boulevard. We, here we got a Rosie Parks Boulevard, Cesar Chavez Boulevard. All that's good. The city got in the civil, in the, in the Martin Luther King business in the 70s. You know, they got some demigods and middle of the roaders and fence trailers to go along with them. And, and uh, you know, and they're pushing for this and pushing for that. One of the local newspapers, they even brought them down from Seattle, Cointel Pro, and sent them up here in Portland. They endorsed a Republican governor back in the early, 
in the early 80s, you know, right after the election of Reagan. And he, and he served for eight years. We got nothing, you know. Actually, we don't want to, you know, I have a friend who's 83 years old. He look, he looks at when he see Donald Trump on television. He say, "I don't want him to do nothing for me. He just just want just want him to go. You know, just go." Well, I, Kent Ford, I want to say thank you so much for spending time with us. It was an honor to have a chance to talk to you. I appreciate you spending this time. It, it, thanks for having me on. Heck yeah, man! Appreciate you. Yeah, we all finished. Uh, yeah, I think we're done for now. I'd love to have you on again. Okay, thanks, man. Now, anytime, just call me. All right, we'll do it. Appreciate it. Yeah, I pre- appreciate it. Okay, I hope I've done all right. Yeah, it was great. Uh, yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate all it. All right, man. be well. Say hi to the sequel for us. Yeah, say hi to your family. I will. Thank you. I'll tell him. All right, all right. Take care. Well, that thank you so much for arranging that conversation. The uh, But we had to wrap so that we get to your straw in the wind. Dad, you there? Dad? All right. Well, I want to say thanks to everybody for listening to uh, thanks for everybody for listening to the show. We really appreciate it. Uh, that was news. My dad I want to say thanks to Morel Link. You can find out more at morellink.biz. Maybe we'll do two straws in the wind. Dad will probably have seven of them on Thursday. Again, you can tweet us. Uh, you can use the hashtag news with my dad. I want to say thanks to Joey. Thanks to Sam Smargiasi. Thanks to Julia. Also, thanks to Carly and to Brian. And thanks to everybody for listening. Thanks for listening, and thank you, democracy.